Have you ever thought about that while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb? I did. I actually bought two homes in Albuquerque that I Airbnb'd, and it was just an amazing investment, honestly, because, you know, as you are accruing value in your property, you are also making money on the Airbnbs. It's amazing. So your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 21 Seeds Infused Tequila is a must-have. It's an award-winning tequila. It's infused with real juice, with real fruit, which means the flavors are built in. It's real. So you need like two or three ingredients to make your perfect cocktail. Hey, um, you know how I'm always trying to keep my house parties exciting? New cocktails? <laughs> do you? Yeah. Okay, well, here's something that's going to flip the script. Okay. All right. 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Yeah. yeah. Tell me more about this, right. Oliver Hudson. Yeah, 21 Seeds is an award-winning tequila that's infused with juice from real fruits. You only need two to three ingredients to make the perfect cocktail. Wait a minute. I think I know what brand you're talking about. You know why? Yeah. Because 21 Seeds is founded by two sisters and their friend. It's female founded. That's right. See? Sounds See like how I know? Something I can get behind. I know. Well, there's a good story behind that for sure. Listen, if you love tequila... You have to try 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Enjoy responsibly. 21 Seeds Diageo, New York, New York. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hi, I'm Kate Hudson. And my name is Oliver Hudson. We wanted to do something that highlighted our relationship. And what it's like to be siblings. We are a sibling rivalry. No, no. Sibling rivalry. Don't do that with your mouth. <laughs> sibling rivalry. That's good. Dr. Nancy Siegel. Yes, I call her uh, DNS. <laughs> So I thought this was so cool. We talked to Dr. Nancy. This was like a grill session. It was like, yeah. just like, well, then what if this happens? Well, then what if that happens? Oh my God, are you, what? That but happened? Wait, we also forgot to ask a question afterwards. We were like, why didn't we ask that question? Which one I was know, it? First of all, explain who she is. before. We okay, so so Nancy, Dr. Na- Dr. Siegel, Nancy Siegel, is the go-to twin expert. Mm-hmm. 25 I mean, plus years studying only twins. She's the director of the Twin Studies Center at California State University, Fullerton. She's traveled the world studying twins and exploring nature versus nurture. Which is the question. Exactly. Because Katie and I are fascinated at the bit with that, like the nature versus nurture thing, because we, we come from a family where we have the same values and we do things a little bit differently. So the whole nature nurture thing is a big play. It plays big in sort of the way that I think. And so in yeah. this context with twins, it was just fast, fascinating. Yeah, so fascinating. And um, she really broke down the differences, you know, 
uh, and shared some crazy stories about twins meeting later in life. And then some of the similarities that they shared and obviously, well, maybe I don't want to ruin that. I'm not going to ruin it. No, I'm well, not going to ruin that. You guys are going to listen. It's a fascinating conversation. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it's so, amazing. You're, you're going to, they're going to, there's stories that you're going to hear. Where you're like, what the hell? I mean, it's, it's really just amazing, amazing stuff. So here is Dr. Nancy Siegel. Hello, doctor. Okay. Hi, how are you, Kate and Oliver? How really are nice to meet you. Welcome to our a Sibling Revelry podcast. I love the name. It's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. It, we, it's what we strive for, you know, to, yeah. to revel in each other. Which yeah, happens well, 5% of the time. No, yeah. that's, that's uh, ridiculous. Oh, sorry, yeah. 7 7%. Yeah. And, and, and you're the big brother, Oliver, right? I am. Yeah. You're the first one who's yeah. gotten that right. Yes. That's I was just <laughs> so weird because he looks so much older than me, I would think. I look pretty good. <laughs> you um, look great. You look great. Hey, thanks. You know, I'm, uh, a, I'm a fraternal twin. I don't know if you know that, but I have a fraternal twin sister and she looks a lot older than me, but I'm technically the older one. I oh, mean, really? So it's kind of weird because everyone assumes she's older, but she's not. By, how, by how long are you older? Seven minutes. But Seven. that can mean a lot when you're a kid. Well, I'm going to actually, that's funny. Does that, does that, is that something that always comes into play when you're, when twins are talking about who's older and who's younger or is it tongue in cheek or does it matter? Once in a great while, it yeah. doesn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, she sort of took the position of the older one. So I've lived with it. I'm comfortable with where I am. No <laughs> oh my God. For everyone listening, I would just like for you to introduce yourself a little bit and tell everybody what it is that you do and what you specialize in. Sure. Well, I'm Dr. Nancy Siegel. I'm a psychology professor at California State University, Fullerton. I'm also the director and the founder of the Twin Study Center, and we provide information on twins to interested scholars and the public, and that also supports my research and the research of my colleagues and students. I teach special seminars in twin research, and I just love studying twins because they're so professionally engaging and so personally meaningful to me as a fraternal twin. It's a simple and elegant way of looking at genetic and environmental influences on behavior. And the great thing for me is that it never gets old. There are always new things to study that are more exciting than last year's. Well, it, it's it's like, it's something where when you hear studies about twins, I feel like it always makes a headline. Like mm -hmm. whether it's the, there was the study that they did with this going into space. Mm -hmm. Do you remember mm -hmm. that? The, right. Sure. And then the documentary that actually you touch on in your new book, you have a new book. Um, and uh, did you that. see that documentary? I did. I did. Crazy. Uh, crazy. What was it called again? Uh, oh, the documentary, Three Identical Strangers. Yes, yes, yes That yes, was what it was. Yes. yes. Oh, sure. Oh my yeah. God. What an unbelievable story. It's, it's unbelievable. And the book goes into the stories of all those other twins who were studied and some who were separated who were not studied. Right. We've interviewed a couple twins. We had the Property Brothers on. Mm -hmm. We had... Oh, the Bella Twins. Oh, the Bella Twins. That's right. Yeah. And, um, and there really is... There really is something very... To me, at least, interviewing all these siblings, very different about the twin experience. But it feels like it's a very codependent relationship a lot of the time and that they have to learn, twins have to learn how to, it's maybe a little bit more difficult to individuate. 
You know, I think that the ones who seem to be codependent are the ones that we hear about. But for the most part, twins are a very healthy group. And in fact, one study found that there are lower rates of suicide in twins than in non-twins because they have a support system built in for life. But what so fascinates me about identical twins in particular is that they just understand each other so well. They have a built-in support system. They understand each other. They react to the world in the same way. And so I don't know if the triplets said this in the in the documentary or not, but in another program that I, I saw with them, they said, you know, it's very easy to have an argument because you know what the other one is going to say. So they think alike. And it's a real luxury, you know, that I think many people crave and are jealous of. And yet I think it's what we all strive for, somebody who understands us and who accepts us unconditionally. Now, fraternal twins are much more variable in that respect. They're ordinary siblings, just like the two of you, but the difference is that they come into the world at the same point in time, so they share many developmental milestones alike, but they're not quite as close as the identicals on average. They're genetically different. Well, what do, so what makes that up? What, why is that? I mean, why is it that an identical twin has that kind of connection? It's because they're genetically the same. They're essentially clones. And so they react to the world in the same way. They respond to things the same way. They like the same people and opportunities and events. They have the same talents and likes and dislikes. And so they just move in life in sync. And sometimes they feel that maybe they should differentiate because that's what society expects. You know, we we all appreciate individual differences so much and value our uniqueness. But when they try to do that, they often find they're uncomfortable. You know, they're doing what doesn't feel quite right. And so they get back together again. And I think that we shouldn't judge them if they're happy and get along. But how much is it nature versus nurture? Meaning like, what if what if you're a twin and, and you make the decision not to dress alike or run in the same stride? We have Wait, twins that, who run right, right by identical twins. Who I see them all the time. All the time. I mean, literally for years. In they, the same outfit. Everything, like it's yeah. beautiful yeah. and perfect and so in sync. They could win some sort of an Olympic medal if they, if they, if they chose to enter. But yeah, where is the nature versus nurture? If I just said, hey, you know what? I don't want to be anything like you. I don't want to dress anything like you. Well, you know, that's really the million dollar question. And actually, we don't talk about nature versus nurture. We talk about nature dash nurture or nature and nurture because everything we do is a product of both. Now, the way that we can assign a genetic complement or a genetic value to a certain behavior like personality, most personality traits like extroversion, sociability, have about a 50% genetic influence when you look at populations. But at individual levels, if one twin doesn't want to dress alike or wants to be a little more reclusive, that's a decision that person makes. And, you know, genes are not deterministic. Genes act in probabilistic ways. And so they don't tell you dress alike or tell you study art at school. They may incline you in that way. And it's up to you to decide to do it. You know, we find genetic effects on divorce. People with difficult personalities will divorce more than people who don't have difficult personalities. But their genes don't tell them to divorce. They make that decision to divorce or to separate or what have you. Are you saying that divorce can be a genetic disposition? Yes, I can, Kate. It can, but it's not like there is a gene for divorce. It's a constellation of genes that have to do with personality, 
temperament, things like that. So, for example, so I can't blame my mom for the you can <laughs> divorce. She genetically coded you with with some sort of a divorce situation. Maybe a tiny bit, a tiny bit. But ultimately, you make that decision. And remember, remember too that that you don't inherit all your genes from your mom. You inherit half, and those genes that you get from your dad will interact with the genes from your mom, maybe produce a whole different you. Right. Right. So we so definitely you, have the divorce gene. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I'm beating, I'm beating the odds. You're doing good. I'm 16 years in. <laughs> hey. All right. You get the, the award. But <laughs> the thing is that just because you have that predisposition, it's probably good to know that because then you can be aware of it and maybe take steps to take care of it. So for example, suppose alcoholism runs in your family right? It doesn't mean that you are destined to be an alcoholic, but because of that, you may moderate your drinks a little bit, you know, things like that. So it's helpful to know what predispositions run in your family, just as a guide. But at an individual level, you know, something can have a very highly genetic influence and at your level, doesn't mean anything. When you're dealing so, with when you're dealing with identical twins specifically, because it seems like the fraternal twins, yes, you are just born at the same time, so those development developmental milestones are are the same. But what about sort of the in, in, as far as identical twins, the levels of competition? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, that's that's a great area, and you know, competition takes on a whole new meaning with identical twins because what it means for many pairs is that I can do a little bit better than you. But because I'm genetically the same, I can probably catch right up. And I think that's why we see a lot of identical twins who are elite athletes in the Olympics. I've done some stats on that. It's it's a competition, but but just like, but it is the kind of thing where if I do better than you, I'm not gonna lord it over you. It's a double victory for both of us. Right. I played oh. with two sets of wow. identical twins in <clears throat> soccer both of whom went and played at the professional level. But growing up, we played together all the time. Um, and it was really interesting. They were very similar. I mean, they definitely were stronger in different positions, but they were like very elite, like good, great athletes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they, when they come home from school, they, they have each other to practice with. Somebody, an identical twin once said, we have 24-hour practice partners. And other kids don't have that. So... They really, what I find so striking about identical twins is that there is such a selfless attitude toward victory for one. You know, the skiers, Phil and Steve Mayer, they were in the Olympic slaloms back in 1984. One of them turned in a gold medal performance and the other one, and he said to his brother, here's what you have to do to beat me. And that's amazing. That's right. Amazing, right. I would, I could never be that selfless with my twin. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no. Well, it's your fraternal. It's different, your I fraternal. guess. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, but, but so so basically, Oliver and I, if we were fraternal twins, because I have a friend who has fraternal twins, we would be exactly the same genetic makeup as we are right now, only the same age. Right. Yes, that's so, right. Exactly. Exactly. So uh -huh. I'm going to explain really quickly how it works. The fraternal twin okay. versus the identical twin. I will. I so, know because I'm very smart. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> oh with identical twins, what happens is that the mother releases an egg. It's fertilized by the father. And sometime within the first 14 days after conception, that fertilized egg divides and it creates two identical twins. And in the case of those triplets, one of those eggs divided again to produce three of them. Now, uh, with fraternal twins, the mom releases two eggs at the same time 
and they're separately fertilized by different sperm from the father. So they're genetically no more alike than siblings, which share half their genes on average, but they're born at the same time. They have the same intrauterine environment. So they might be more alike because of those reasons. Or two fathers, two one night stands. Yeah. Oh, you, you've done, you've done your homework. If, oh, if, really? Yeah. 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 You can have twins, Kate, that have different fathers. They have the same mother and different fathers. If the mother releases two eggs and she has sexual relations with two different men within about a four day window, <sighs> then they can be conceived with different fathers. So they're really genetic half siblings. How many of them I are out there? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> How many are out there in the world? Oh, we we don't know that. We don't know that exactly. A lot of people claim that they're rather rare. Honestly, I don't think they are. I think that it's a matter of detecting them. If, for example, the two fathers have similar ethnicities, hair color, I mean, this and that, then you're not going to detect it. But one of the very first cases ever reported on was a Caucasian woman who had sexual relations with a Caucasian man and an African-American. And I'm sorry, you couldn't hide it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. This is really interesting. From a scientific standpoint, you know, because of course, I think we all do have some sort of psychic ability. I I don't know, maybe tapping into something bigger, right? I mean, Kate Kate says that she has sort of feelings and she's a bit psychic. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I am. You know, but when you're talking about twins and you're here, especially identical twins, and you're hearing about sort of when, when one feels something, the other feels the other, or the specific study of the amount of bracelets that that one twin had oh. on when they finally met, they had the exact same. I mean, is there, is there science backed? So the, the couple, the woman he's talking about is there were these twins raised apart in England. They were women. They met in their 30s. And we studied them at the University of Minnesota. And when they showed up at the airport, they were both wearing seven seven bracelets, three rings and a watch. Now, I can look at that in a more scientific vein because why do you wear jewelry? Because it looks very nice on your hands. They had long, slender fingers. They could afford to buy it. They might've been attracted to glittery, shiny objects. So I don't think it's just a coincidence. And I've looked at the psychic sorts of studies that have been done with twins. And I think that there are better explanations for that grounded in their genetic identity. I really believe that. You're right that we do hear sometimes about one twin who's worried about the other and the other one's lying dead in the street. But uh, but there are many times when there are misses. Where, and and if, you, if you worry about your twin all the time and you say, I know that that phone call is from them. I mean, if they call you 10 times a day, it's not a right. big deal. Odds are you're going to hit. You're yeah, gonna hit exactly. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, there is the quantum entanglement thing that we, I, that, that word, remember, that I <laughs> yes. used that I have with my with certain people in my family. Like my mom, I will have not spoken to her for a week. And all of a sudden the phone will ring. No, I will think before the phone rings. I, I know mom's calling me. And it's not even like a thought that I'm consciously creating. It just comes like mom's going to call and the phone will ring. Like that's happened to me multiple times. And well, it's, and it's the, way not- I would, yeah, the way I would look at that is that you haven't heard from your mom, probably thinking about her. It's time that she called. <laughs> I- right. Except <laughs> I do believe in the quantum. I do believe that there are there are certain sort of 
things out there that we haven't quite that they're that they're researching about well, quantum you know, entanglement. Yeah, I mean, it? being a being a being a doctor, having seen these twins, especially in this world, identical twins who seemingly have a connection beyond what two regular people might not have how how do you square that i mean do you do you have some mysticism or are you like straight no 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 i not at all i'm completely scientific in this respect and i just think that anything is possible we have to stay open to any kind of new evidence i'm willing to be persuaded but i just see that if the genes behind the behaviors we know so much about our behavior has a genetic component to it not entirely but a genetic one that's substantial and i just look at it that way and identical twins are not exactly the same either. I mean, there are lots of variations. It's just that they're more alike than any other pair of people. That's that's my take on that. Mm-hmm. What about the like sets of twins that have been stopped, swapped? There's like the story oh, right. of, you know, them being swapped at birth and then rediscovering. Right. Or, or adopted right. separately. Right. Yes. Now, I wrote about that in my sixth book, Accidental Brothers, those Colombian twins. And this was an amazing situation of two identical male pairs born a day apart, one in the lively capital city of Bogota, Colombia, and the other in a little rural village with no running water and a three-walled house up in the north. And one of the little boys up north was so sick, so we had to come down to the better hospital in Bogota, and he was there for a week. And while he was there, he was accidentally switched with one of the other twins. So the wrong baby was brought back and the wrong baby stayed in Bogota. So they grew up as two sets of unrelated brothers thinking they were fraternal twins. And then it came to light when they were 25, when when the boys up north moved to Bogota to work and somebody confused somebody for the other and eventually the truth came out. But as I always remember one of the twins saying to me, I went on the computer And I saw myself in clothes I didn't own and in a place I've never been. And next to me was my fraternal twin brother wearing clothes he doesn't own in a place he's never been. And he said he just freaked out. So when I heard this story, I knew I was going to Bogota. I was on the next plane literally and went twice to Colombia to study them. It was an amazing case. But I'll tell you, twins are such amazing cases. You know, the the book I just did, Deliberately Divided, I mean, that... I think is a very sad commentary on people who manipulate the lives of others and don't allow twinship to be an important celebrated relationship, which it is. How so, how so? Expand on that, though. How, how How is it not celebrated and how is that sort of curtailed? Well, no, tw- tw- twin relationships are very highly valued. They are. And so what these investigators did in my book, Deliberately Divided, was that they, they were at a... a an adoption agency, the Louise Wise Adoption Agency, and young unwed mothers in the 60s would come and they would give up their babies for adoption. And the agency consultant felt the twins were better off growing up apart. She claimed the developmental literature justified that, but there was no such developmental literature I've looked. And so they were adopted into different families and the parents were never told that they were raising part of a twin. So the twins never knew, the families never knew, but these children were tracked secretly for 12 years. The triplets were part of that study, Mm -hmm. as were, uh, let's see, the triplets, and then four other sets of identical twins, so a total of 11 children. Now, when I say secretly tracked, the parents were told that the children were in a developmental study of adoption, but they were never told the true purpose, 
which was a nature nurture study Mm -hmm. using identical twins separated at birth. (laughs) The agency also separated a number of sets of fraternal twins. And it's unclear why they did, because, you know, these twins don't go through that differentiation process the way identicals do, but they were kept apart and they weren't studied, which also was very bad science because you need the fraternal twin control. So that mm-hmm. was a problem. But anyway, they this all came to light, you know, when the triplets met. You know, you saw that wonderful yeah. reenactment of three identical strangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then more pairs began to surface and that's what happened. On like a scale of one to 10, right? How much, how excited is a twin to actually meet their other twin? Or do you find there's trepidation? All right, like, God damn like, it. That's like how you would be. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, I don't I have too many problems in my life. I don't need a, another one. <laughs> it's unlikely you're a twin, believe me. So I would say on a scale of one to 10, Kate, it's probably a 10 in terms of the excitement. But is there trepidation? Of course there is. Because you worry, is he or she going to be better looking than me or jealous of me or want something? But what some of these twins said was that the two, I'll tell you one example, Melanie and Ellen. So Melanie and Ellen met in their late 20s. And both of them were very shy and reserved. And they both dropped out of college after a semester. And they realized that had they been together, they probably could have withstood the pressure of college together. They would have been a support system. So these twins were denied this wonderful relationship growing up together. And and those two have had some bumps along the way. The triplets, of course, did as well. you know, when Bobby walked away from the restaurant, that was difficult. And you know, leaving Eddie and David there to manage the restaurant alone, that was a big blow to Eddie. And then there were other pairs where there's a, a wonderful fraternal pair, Allison and Michelle, who got along just beautifully. And then sadly, Michelle died just last June. So they only had less than three years together. And it was a wonderful two and a half years that they had. But, you know, to been denied this all your life and then to have it and to lose it again. It, it was just so selfish and so unthinking. And these were child development experts who were doing this. Crazy. And they should have known better. It's it really was blind crazy. scientific ambition. Well, about, they were hoping, they were hoping that. to nature they were hoping to settle the nature nurture question for good. Did and that's not what, work. what drove it. That's what drove it. <laughs> but about that actually when you are not who not not twins who have been separated, identical twins especially, but when you do have that kind of a trauma in your life or one of them might might pass unexpectedly, I mean, it's got to be, you know, just double the pain in a sense. There's a part of you that is dying, it is gone. It's devastating. You know, at the University of Minnesota when we studied twins, we had this pair of identical firemen. They met when they were in their 30s, both six foot four, got along absolutely perfectly, beer drinking, you know, loved to eat at a place called Luigi's. Oh, they were just exactly the same. And then one of them passed away just Saturday of last week, I think it was, at the age of 67. And their brothers had been estranged for various reasons. But the one who survived posted a note on Facebook and said, for 67 years, there were two of me walking around, and now there's only one rest in peace. So even though there was an estrangement, there was some kind of an attachment and a feeling and an emotional involvement that ran very deeply. So yeah, I have a study actually of nearly 800 twins whose twins have passed away. And I can tell you, it is just devastating Mm -hmm. for them. 
absolutely devastating. It's you think, you think even more so than, I mean, it's hard to quantify that, but say it must be, but it's hard to quantify that, but even more so than sort of a regular sort of sibling couple, uh, I guess. I'll, I'll tell you how I quantify it. So what I do is I have them rate the grief intensity for the twin and rate the grief intensity for other people who've died in their lifetime, like a brother, a mother, a father, an aunt, uncle. And the twin usually comes out ahead regardless of identical or fraternal, but usually very high with identicals. But see, they have a different starting point. For people who are not twins, it could be that a mother or a father is more important than a sibling. You know, you know what I mean? The twins have this very, very high point that they're beginning from. So I think mm-hmm. that's the difference. It mm-hmm. makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it no matter what, like it's not a matter of love. It's literally almost like a... It's, I mean, like, imagine you had looked at yourself every day when you, like, FaceTimed your sister or your brother, and it was like, that was your bro. Like, like it was you. It's got to be so interesting, though. <laughs> it's so weird. Because I think you and I would look at each other and be like, well, if, we, if you were, I was a girl, and we would, and it's like, oh, we look the same. But that novelty goes away quickly, I would think, or you're born mm-hmm. maybe with even out the novelty of that. It's like, it was really fascinating. Or are you like, I, you look great. Like, I guess I look great because you oh, look great. L- let me comment on that. First of all, <laughs> identical twins often don't think they look alike, which I find yeah. extraordinary. I don't know how they can't think that. But the other thing that I noticed that was so amazing is that in Minnesota, sometimes the twins would be of different weight. So there was one pair of very attractive women. Yeah, so so very attractive, but one was 10 pounds heavier than the other. And the one who was slimmer looked at her heavier sister and said, I mean, she looks great. And I'm always worried about my weight. And even 10 pounds heavier, I look fine. So twins are the unique position of seeing themselves in ways that we never can. We can look at in a mirror, but we can't see ourselves as a person in 3D moving around in space. So we never really know what we look like. It's impossible. Only twins can. That's so wild. It's true because it's like sometimes I'll I, it's like you have a skewed way of listening to your voice, mm-hmm. hearing your voice. You hear it, and then you actually hear it back, and you're like, I don't sound anything like I think I sound. <laughs> mm-hmm. Same thing with your face. You like look, you're like, yeah, I look, I look good. Then like someone takes a video, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm like so like from a different perspective. Like I'm not seeing myself like that. But if you yeah. actually had an identical twin, mm-hmm. you would you 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 probably judge yourself harsh more harshly. You might, you might. Yeah, I, I I'd be like, you, do I look like I that? think you might, except in this case, she <laughs> thought her twin looked great. So who knows? I'm always really um, intrigued by, like I've heard stories that twins have had the same dreams. Uh, have you ever heard stories like that? Yes, I sure have. And it's not surprising to me at all because they go through many of the same experiences together. They have similar thoughts, similar thought processes. So it's not surprising to me at all. I don't, I don't think that one sends her dreams to the other one's head. I don't think that at all. But I do think that because they interpret the world in similar ways and think a lot about things in the same ways. I mean, these twins raised apart, both in Deliberately Divided and the ones that I studied in Minnesota. I'm always amazed when I hear these similar kinds of reflections that both were shy or both were outgoing or both worried about this or that. I mean, it's, it's really amazing, actually. And when you look at their homes, there's a lot of similarity. You know, this is something that I think people will be interested in. If you think about how your homes are decorated, 
you know, you often think that's just a purely environmental thing. But actually, a home is a reflection of you. You choose to put this there, you choose to put that there, or the color scheme. So it's not that it's just the the house happens to be there. You've designed it a certain sort of a way. And so it's there's really a genetic influence on environmental factors. I think that's something people don't often think about. I mean, how often do you see twins? And I guess we're just talking about identical so much because it, it, there's such a genetic connection there. But how often do you see identical twins where one is like a buttoned up goody two shoes and the other one is like, you know, out there like doing coke and raging and out there like, ah, you know, I mean, how often do you see that discrepancy? You see it. You see it very rarely. You see it, but it's rare. I knew a pair of twins where one was an ordinary, normal housewife, no big deal. And her sister was a murderer. You can, Whoa. Yeah. I mean, these things happen and maybe it was something that happened prenatally to affect the brain. You know, our environments are not just what we experience in life, but a lot goes on in the womb with identical twins. There can be shared circulations and fetal crowding and all kinds of things. Different you know, brain cells turn on or turn off. So there can be different sorts of things. Uh, we have, I've studied several sets of identical twin women where one at an early age felt like she was trapped in a man's body and eventually did sex reassignment surgery. Those are amazing cases, absolutely amazing cases. I was on the Oprah Winfrey show once with two sets of twins like that. And I have to say, in all the years I've seen Oprah, I never saw her speechless until this one day. (laughs) I mean, it was just really, really difficult. Um, Ollie, we love our Saqqara. We love it. Always have. They are a nutritionally designed, chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, dinners, all made with powerful plant-based ingredients, helping to boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings. Thank you. And mm-hmm. get in a glowing. Yeah, by the Plus, way, sugar that I've been reading a lot about sugar, how oh. awful. It, it really is. And to curb sugar cravings to then get you off of the sugar, which is essentially a drug. Sephara does very, very well, by the way. Yeah. Plus, it's all delivered right to your door. Mm-hmm. So um, there's also the Sakara Shock, which is fun. It's stocked with functional plant-rich products, wellness essentials to help you create a body you feel strong and vibrant in. I um, One of the things they do is a... a metabolism super powder, which people love. They do some plant protein bars, teas, and their newest functional snack, a super seed and nut blend. It's actually blends. The amazing reviews. I mean, Vogue Goop, New York Times. Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash sibling. You listening to me? Enter code sibling at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash sibling to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash sibling. Coors Light has been around with us for a minute now on Sibling Revelry, and there's a reason for it, because we consume Coors Light ourselves. This is a natural, authentic yes. fit to Kate and Oliver Hudson. There's no doubt about it. Yes. Um, so we get excited to promote this brand, because essentially we're promoting ourselves because we are 80% Coors Light. <laughs> We're 80% Coors. Um, Ollie, question. Are you a Coors in a bottle 
or are you cores in a can? Cores in a can without even a th- thought. Really? Yes. Why? Yeah. I just love the can. I love the silver bullet. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, 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 part of drinking a Coors Light is the aesthetic of it. You know, you got to feel good. And when I have that silver can with the cold ice blue mountains, when I know it's freezing to death, it's when I feel my best. So when I need to take a second for myself and Kate, I can speak in for her as well. I'm going to say we. So when we need to take a second for ourselves, we reach for the beer that is made to chill. So get the Coors Light. Get Coors Light delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash Hudson. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You know, what's also interesting are male-female twins because we find that the females often tend to be more outgoing, more assertive, somewhat masculinized Mm. perhaps by exposure to the male hormone in utero. You know, we've known for years that females tend to be a little maternal towards their twin brothers, you know, tend to boss them around. Partly it's because females mature ahead of males anyway, intellectually, physically, socially. And yet, you know, you can't discount the hormonal influence, but the problem is it's confounded because, you know, when you're a male-female twin, you're growing up together, but you also had the hormonal exposure. So you've got to figure out a way to separate those out. Mm. That's really interesting. Yeah. How's your relationship with your twin? Well, my relationship with my twin is great now. We're adults and we're pretty close. But growing up, we were like ships passing in the night. We had separate sets of friends, even though we had shared a bedroom, had same parents and experiences. But we went to different classes, which was better for us, too. And then even different schools beginning in the seventh grade. Wow. And, And we discussed things and we know that well, we're pretty sure we know that if we'd met socially, we never would have been friends because we're so different. But because we're siblings, you know, we have a family history. We know each other so well. And I love her and I trust her. You know, when my parents passed away, she took care of all the bank stuff. And I never once for a second ever thought she'd cheat me. I mean, I know siblings worry about those things. I never did. I, She's I a wonderful, yeah. wonderful person. I worry. But we're just, we're just not, we don't have that typical identical twin closeness. We don't. No, you don't. Yeah. Genes reshuffle in every generation. Explain this to me. Uh, What does that mean? You know? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. So all of us have 46 genes, uh, 46, well, 46 chromosomes. And we have tons and tons and tons of genes. Yet, so it's 23 pairs. I get one pair from mom and one pair from dad. When I reproduce, the fertilize, the egg that I will contribute has only one copy of each of my of each of the chromosomes. So, you know, it could be I get this chromosome from mom and this chromosome from dad goes into the fertilized egg. So it's a completely unique constellation of genes and chromosomes. And so when it when it merges with a sperm and the sperm goes through that same process, it's all different. It's all different. You know, if we all reproduced ourselves, I mean, there'd be no variability in the population. We'd probably all die. But you need that genetic variability to keep the human species going. But how are twins 
from a genetic standpoint, how are twins, her, twins hereditary? Meaning, oh yeah, like how does yeah. that work? If you have twins yeah. in your family, well, you're more likely to have a twin. Yeah, it's a great question. And you have to answer it differently for identicals and fraternals. Now, for, for let's talk about fraternal first because they're easy. So fraternal twins, it's probably a hormonal underpinning, mostly in the part of the mother, although we can't discount a contribution from the father. It could be that something the father transmits um, alters the intrauterine landscape and another egg is is released. But we do know that these factors affect fraternal twinning. It runs in your family. It tends to come from the mother's side. Women who have fraternal twins tend to be taller and heavier on average. And um, they tend to be of African descent. There's a higher proportion of fraternal twins in African populations. Now with identical twinning, it was thought for years that this was totally random, that anybody could have them and, you know, it didn't matter that you had them in your family. But now new studies have shown that there may be a subset of families where identical twinning is genetically passed on. When I was in Brazil, there was a family down in the South. There's many families in the very Southern tip of Brazil, and they have a very high concentration of identical twins. In fact, in one family, they went five generations. There's a pocket of many identical twins in India and another pocket in Iran. So they're they're getting close to finding a certain gene that maybe is conducive to splitting of the fertilized egg. Now, think about, um, this is an amazing case. I studied in Canada. There's a mother who conceived fraternal twins naturally. So she had two fertilized eggs in there, but they both split. So she had two sets of identical twin boys. Whoa. And they were completely different, you know, between pairs, but within pairs, Exactly the same. Wait, Jesus. wait, wait. She had in four one, babies. In one, in one pregnancy. I mean, yes, yeah, four yeah. babies in one pregnancy because each of her fraternal twin embryos divided, right? So she had four, she had quadruplets. But you see- but two looked alike, but, but two looked alike and two looked alike. You got it, exactly. Right, so she had fraternal twins and then- Right, so there's, there's four kids and two were identical, two were identical. What would you right. do if that happened? <laughs> I, 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 could you imagine- I, I'd run. Like if Could I'd you know, imagine you showing up to the doctor's office and being like, oh, I'm pregnant, like, you know, oh my God. And like, what? Like, like four, like a, like a, like yeah. a litter. It's yeah, a litter. You have a litter. And first they, first they thought it was just three, but one baby was hiding. So it was four. So, I mean, this mother welcomed them in I and mean, you could just laugh and what can you do about it? Yeah, There's nothing you, you can do. You but, get ready. But, but the point is that it makes you think are identical and fraternal twinning processes, are they independent? I mean, here's a mother who had fraternals and identicals. So it may be that these things kind of come together in some families. We also know that older mothers have a higher chance of having fraternal twins. So if you're, it, it begins about age 35. And you could think about it as kind of a, a reproductive mistake because the human womb is designed to carry one baby. But if you think about it in an evolutionary term, it's kind of a cost-benefit analysis. Because the older you are when you have a baby, the higher the chance of a defective baby, right? Down syndrome is higher among older women. But it's also that, hey, it's my last chance to get my genes out there. So let's try for two. Right. Well, well that's a good question, actually. Let, let's go back to early man. I mean, have you gone that far back? Twins, you know, back when yeah. we were just becoming hey, human? Yeah. In fact, um, God, I just looked at this article in an archaeological review, and they found these these twin mummies that were buried together. I can't remember how far back it goes, but 
there was definitely twinning, you know, throughout human history. Definitely was. It could be that, the, well, of course, the twinning frequency has increased because we know more, more about how to manage multiple pregnancies and things of that sort. And with IVF, it's, it's shooting way up. But nevertheless, there were twins all throughout human history. Yeah, absolutely. What about, what about identical twins marrying identical oh, twins? Oh, one of my favorite subjects. I, I have studied that. I definitely have. Really? And, what haven't yeah. you studied? Well, I feel like you've studied me and I don't even know it. <laughs> it, it, you never know. You never know. So, I, yeah, let's tell the identical marriage. I want to know. So, when identical twins marry, it's it's extraordinary because their children are not just first cousins, but they're full siblings, genetically speaking, because the parents are all genetically interchangeable. So, a lot of them, a lot of twins, don't want to marry just non-twins because non-twins often don't understand the special relationship. So they think, keep it in the family. It's all married twins. And they go to those Twinsburg festivals in, in Twinsburg, Ohio, every August. And sometimes they go there to meet twins. So these one twins I know, Mark and Craig, they went and they happened to meet Diane and Darlene. And Mark, uh, rather Craig claims that he could only marry Diane. That Darlene was not the least bit attractive to him. And the same went the other way. And I find that extraordinary because I often thought, well, it doesn't matter who you marry. It's all the same but I'm learning that very subtle differences in behavior or appearance have huge consequences for who you marry. Absolutely huge. Some women I know who married one identical twin will say, I love my husband, but I mean, I like my brother-in-law, but I could never marry him. And, and that is so interesting. I think if we study twins, we could learn a lot about what causes mate attraction, why you are attracted to one person and not to another. Oh, These are God. fascinating findings. Have that, has that study been, you know, sort of expanded on? Because that's, that's ama- so, it's an amazing oh, study. Because, because to have like a sibling who's identical. identical and you're like, I am not feeling like, you. And you're like. But you are hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's crazy. So, it is. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. And, you know, there was a one family I found where the two moms had given birth on the same day. So the children were really, really like fraternal twins, even though they weren't, but they were kind of like equivalents. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just by doing everything naturally, if twins just marry and have kids, it creates all kinds of fascinating research situations that we can take advantage of. I, no, I love it. That's no wonder. I, now I'm understanding why you have dedicated your life to this. I mean, it, right. it is extremely fascinating and can be really eye-opening to not just twins, but having studied twins and it's just about every, humanity and, and the that, way we that attract. Is, that, is, that is the whole point, that you can study twins at two levels. You can study twins for twins. You know, should you separate them in schools? Should you dress them alike? This or that. But twins are really a research model for understanding why you all, we all are the way that we are. It's, it's implications for how we behave. I feel like what if there was a set of identical twins that were together that just decided we all love each other. <laughs> like yeah. We're just gonna, just we're just married. married. Yeah. We're like, mar- like, you know, because yeah. if you think about it, wh- I mean, then there's the opposite, which is like, if you fall in love with it, this is maybe another interesting con. Like right. if like, you fall in love, I'm with, in love one, with both of I, you, like how could you not, not be in love with the other one? Right. They're instead of, they're like twingers. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know. This conversation can really go to new depths, I'm Twingers. sure. <laughs> Twingers. Yeah. 
But yeah, I would love to do that study. There's there's so many studies I still want to do. I still wanted to do the study I just mentioned to look at mate attraction in identical twins who marry identical twins. I would love to study the different life experiences of biracial twins. You know, one who may look more black and one who may look more white in a basically white community or a black community. I would love to study those. And I think there's enough cases to do that. I have a study I just completed on the caring and investment of identical twin aunts toward their nieces and nephews because they're essentially like their own genetic children, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, and, wait. Wait, okay, wait. so identical twins marry and have kids. Okay. They marry ordinary people, not twins. Okay. The kids are first cousins. Right. From two families. Okay. But twin A is the genetic aunt or uncle to her nieces and nephews, right? She's the aunt or uncle. But she's also the genetic mother or father because she and her sister or brother are genetically interchangeable. Oh, this, right. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's so interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That so, would be like if we were identical twins. I would be Ryder's uh, dad or, or you whatever. You would share right. yes, mother. a different kind of genetic relationship right. with Ryder than you than right. you do. Yes, exactly. And I, wow, trippy. that's trippy. Isn't that well? That's really interesting because I'm just putting myself there, right? I can actually relate to that even though that's, like if I shared that with mm-hmm. you, how I would feel even more mm-hmm. intensely about mm-hmm. your kids. Mm-hmm. But for yeah. sure. That's what the research showed, that the identical twin aunts and uncles were more closely involved and caring and thought the kid was like their kid as opposed to the fraternal ones. And so what I want to do now, if I have the time, because I'm working on two new books at the moment, but when I have time, I want to get it from the kid's perspective. How do you feel towards your mother and your or your father and your aunt or uncle if they're twins. And if you're if the mother and father are identical versus if they're fraternal. So I want to go not from parent to kid, but I want to go from kid to parent. I think that'd be a fascinating There's study. There's so many questions. I mean, even in like if they're doing the same job and one is advancing and the other one is not, you know, but they're the exact same person. Or, yeah, or what like about the movie psychological stars, aspect, right? What, I mean, the psycho- right. what if what if like Liam Hemsworth had an identical twin? And they were both actors, but Liam like became the Marvel Thor guy, and the other one's like, "What happened well, to um, me?" Well, look at um, look at Rami, look at <laughs> Rami, you, Ma- you know, oh, Rami yeah. Emanuel. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Rami has a that's yeah. right. But and he, his brother is in education, I think. But he's not he does, an actor. Though. No, yeah, he's in education. Yeah. That's what he does. And yet they seem perfectly happy doing right. I feel no, like, but, but I feel what like if, you what just, if his twin you just was project an, your own feelings I don't care. into it. I don't care if I do. <laughs> like, what was his what, what if his twin was an actor and he was like kind of not doing it? Well, that would suck for the twin, I guess. It's I mean, possible. Like, Some right? twins feel that way. But you know, think I about it. I feel like it. it wouldn't be dissimilar. It wouldn't be dissimilar. A little bit. Or they could like they could like be like, dude, can you take yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, you could like, they could work as a team. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of that. Yeah, like, there's, there's like the Olsen twins. A lot, a lot of teamwork. Yeah, like a the lot. Olsen twins. You know, that where you're sort of like, I'm just fucking exhausted. Like, will you take over next week on filming? Right. <laughs> it's like right. perfect. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the former mayor of El Paso, uh, uh, the, the two Mexican identical twin politicians, uh, Julian Castro and his brother, uh, Javier, uh, Julian and I can't, the Castro brothers. One was the mayor of El Paso for a while, and one day he couldn't be at a parade, so his brother substituted. And of course, they got a lot. They got a lot of guff when they found out. That's really funny. Of yeah. course, I yeah. think I, 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 I personally probably would do that all the time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, it's an advantage. What is this statistic? The twinning rates in U.S. rose drastically from 18.9 per thousand births in 1980 to 33.3 twins per thousand births in 2017. And this is the IV. This and this is due to IVF. It's largely due to IVF. It's also largely due to the fact that women are delaying the childbearing years to have education and careers, and so the older mothers have a higher chance of fraternal twinning. But it's also somewhat due to better hospitalization practices and the fact that when you do IVF, it also increases the rate of identical twinning, not as dramatically, but the way it works is that when you're micro-manipulating an egg in the, wo- in the laboratory, you know, you're doing things to it and you increase the chance of splitting. So there's a slight but consistent increase of identical twinning. Now, those are the most, those are the like penultimate stats you just cited, Kate. The more recent one that came after that shows a slight decline in the fraternal twinning to maybe one in 32, something like that. And that's because in the past, doctors used to implant multiple embryos so that at least one would take, but now they're better able to implant one to guarantee success. Ollie, do you identify as crypto curious? Yeah, of course. Of course. I thought <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do. I'm crypto curious without a doubt. Without a doubt. I, I think about entering the world of crypto all the time. I may or may not have some of my funds wrapped up in some cryptocurrency. Um, and I do use Coinbase. Great. Well, Coinbase makes learning to buy and sell simple. It's it's super easy to buy and sell and use. And they teach you. There's learning resources. There's, there's yeah, a mobile app. They, 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 they give you a, like a really trusted, easy to use platform to buy, yeah. sell, and spend cryptocurrency. So it's a great place to learn. And I, I say this because I think it's really important that, you know, try it. You know, you if, if you want, you know, use a little bit. You don't have to go crazy. but to start to understand the language, mm-hmm. uh, Coinbase is a great, it's a great place to start. And they really support the most popular digital currencies on the market. And then they make them very accessible to everyone. So it's an amazing place to, to go explore this world. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who are already into it, you know what we're talking about, man. That's right. So for a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com slash sibling. So sign up at coinbase.com slash sibling for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offer is for a limited time only. So be sure to sign up today. That's coinbase.com slash sibling. I actually study a kind of kinship that's sort of interesting. They're, I call them virtual twins. And virtual twins are same age, unrelated children raised together. So maybe an infertile couple, they adopt two children at the same time who are completely unrelated, but they're the same age. So they grow up very twin-like. Ah. And, and sometimes, so sometimes what happens is that the mother does get pregnant, but meanwhile, she's starting the, the adoption process. So she's got a biological kid, and an adopted one, but they're unrelated. And they grow up like twins because they're the same age. And they're very fascinating. They're nothing alike, despite growing up so close together. Well, what about alike. what about the the sort of Irish twin, you know, where yeah. you're under 11 months, you know, where you have the baby and then you get pregnant right away? I have a friend who 
has had that happen to her. And mm-hmm. does that, do they kind of grow up more like twins? Some probably do and some probably don't. Right. What about yeah. DNA? What if, what if my, what if I have a twin and I kill somebody and I'm, and the, uh, my other twin gets accused of the crime? Um, well, that used to happen, but it doesn't now because of what we call epigenetic factors, which is a turning on and turning off of genes. And aside from that, we have these random, what are called somatic mutations, where a gene may change. And so your set of epigenetic markers and gene changes might be different than your twins. So, so now they could, they could find out you know, what it was. Here's an interesting one. So there have been a couple of cases I've come across where both identical twins have intercourse with a woman and she gets pregnant. Who's the father? Mm. So in the old days, you couldn't tell. And, and judges couldn't even assign, you know, a, a support. But now you can. Now you can. Wow. wow. Are, there any, also, are there any crazy murder sort of DNA twin, identical twin well, there, cases? Well, there's a, a book I have about twins who were just both murderers, like the Cray twins, you know, from England. And I mean, there are twins who work like that together and do terrible things. But, you know, it's sensational and it's very atypical. Very atypical. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about your book, you know, Deliberately Divided. So what made that, you know, you this is your seventh book, right? Yes, correct. Wow, you're And then you're, you're working prolific. on two more. Yeah. <laughs> so so what why so so why was this a natural progression for your seventh book? Okay. So three identical strangers came out, the movie in 2018. In 2017, there was a movie called The Twinning Reaction made by a much smaller independent filmmaker, which didn't get the attention it deserved, but it was terrific. Anyway, I'd always known about this particular story. I learned about it in the 80s when I was first in Minnesota. And I was rather intrigued by it, but also horrified by it because it was a study of, I I mean, I would never separate twins. My job was to bring twins together, not to separate them. So I always kept track of it. I actually met Peter Neubauer, the main investigator. I met him once. And I spoke to many, many people. Anyway, when the movie came out, the woman who had done the independent film said to me, look, I have mountains of material. You should write the book. And I had a sabbatical coming up. So I thought about it and I knew that it was going to be a difficult book to write. I knew because it was going to be controversial. And I knew that the investigators had a lot of defenders. And so I thought a lot about it. And then I thought, I'm going to do it because it has to be done. It's a blemish in the history of twin studies and I'm going to have to do it. Also, the the data records they had were sealed completely at Yale University's archives and the twins are having a really difficult time getting them. So I thought if I did this book, maybe that would help open up the records. So I decided to do it. And for all those reasons, because to help the twins, to call attention to this, to really let people know what went on behind that film. There was a lot more that you can, than you can put into a 90-minute film. So that was the reason I did it. And, you know, with my background in Twins Raised Apart, my background in twinship anyway, that's what I did. And I not only went through who was separated and why, I went through the lives of the investigators, the lives of the families. I looked at the media's attempts. 60 Minutes tried many times to expose this, and they never were successful. I looked at the ethics involved in this and the failed attempts at publication. And then at the very end, I saved that for my own uh, <laughs> unbiased 
mm. completely unbiased. I went on the data, but my own views on this particular study. Mm. Um, now, can you talk about the Jim twins for those who don't know? They were separated until they, they, yes. met, they met when they were 40, right? 39. 39. The Jim twins were separated at birth, and they were the first study to launch, the first pair of twins to launch the Minnesota study of twins raised apart. So the Jim twins were these two gentlemen who grew up apart in Ohio, different cities, 40 miles apart or so. And each parent was told that the other one had a twin, but the twin had died at birth. When one of the mothers went to the courthouse when her child was five, the, the clerk said to the mother, interesting, the other child is also named Jim. And so she pursued it and realized that he was still alive. When her son was older, she said, look, you know, you've got an identical twin out there, but he wasn't ready to find him. And when he was at the age of 39, they met and their story was covered in papers around the world. They had so many similarities. They both uh, used to uh, scatter love letters around the house for their wives. They both bit their nails. They both smoked Salem's. They both drove light blue Pontiacs. They both vacationed in the same Florida strip of beach. They both... Um, Married women named Betty, divorced them, and married Linda. What? They both named their sons James Allen. They both had mixed headache syndrome that they described as someone banging your head with a hammer. They, they both were woodworkers, and they both were part-time sheriffs, and both worked part-time in McDonald's. So they had lots and lots of similarities. And so Professor Bouchard, who was the director of the study, decided to bring them to the university, put them through an assessment battery, and publish it maybe as a case study. I was not in Minnesota at the, at the time. I was still at the University of Chicago getting my degree. Anyway, the Jim twins attracted so much attention that other pairs began to contact Minnesota. So that following year, I went there as a postdoc and worked exclusively on the study, and more and more twins were coming to be studied. So we ended up with a total of 137 pairs, 81 identical and 56 fraternal. I, I know the Jim twins. Well, I knew them. Both Jim twins have passed away. And I've been in touch with one of the wives from time to time. But they are, you know, kind of the um, the quintessential reared apart pair of twins because they were so similar. They really were. But that those examples, I mean, that that's crazy. From, and on so, another from, level. Well, scientifically, how are we? I know you've kind of touched on it, but from a scientific place, how are we, how are we squaring that? That's yeah, crazy. Well, the, the mixed headache syndrome, you could understand something yes. biological, but yes. let's think about- um, Marrying Linda, then divorce. Like, yeah. Crazy. I mean, that names, names of wives are rather difficult and that could be just a matter of chance, but maybe you're attracted to somebody with a certain name. Now, naming their sons, James Allen, obviously that's a function of husband and wife, what you name a child, but- it could be that most twins, most of them were traditional. So you name the firstborn son after the father. And maybe Alan was a name they liked. It goes well with James. But see, what's beautiful about reared apart twins is that it gives you new ways of thinking about ordinary observations. You know, for example, all of us have quirks. You know, some sometimes you take a necklace and you twirl around your neck or you do something with your head or God knows what you do. But we all do this thing. And we all assume these are just kind of random things, but maybe they're not. You know, maybe we sit a certain way because we're, we're more comfortable that way because our, our bodies are put together. And if we had a twin, they'd be sitting exactly the same way. And we see in unposed photographs, I have a bunch of these in, my, in one of my books, 
where the twins are just told to stand and they stand the same way. They both slouch or they both hold their hands a certain way because they're comfortable. (laughs) I just, is there any other studies with animals that are similar? Yes. Are there, there are are there identical twins in other species? Mm -hmm. Like, of course. And so, I mean, I know that there's, but like, are there any studies done in like, you know, animals that have more, the more similarities to humans? Um, Well, the studies that have, there are studies that have been done using chimpanzees, but there are very, very few chimpanzee twins. They don't, they don't do well, but there have been studies done with identical mice and they do find that, you know, the mice are similar, but certain environmental things can make them different. There was a very interesting study done on lambs. Now, these are fraternal twins, so to speak. They're not genetically the same. But this mom, this mother lamb gave birth to fraternal twins and they took one lamb away and raised it somewhere else. And they find that the mother, you know, when she goes and she smells them and licks them, I mean, she could identify her child. So to that degree, relative identification has been studied a lot in other animals, Kate. But, but in chimpanzees, but they, they, they d- d- twins don't do well. No, they don't, they don't survive. They rarely survive. I have a, in one of my, in my first book, I actually have a, a chart of all the chimpanzees that did survive. Jane Goodall actually had a pair called Geyer and Gimbel. Really? And, and they, did, they didn't survive. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to like you know alien type stuff. <laughs> Meaning like uh, like cloned, extraterrestrial. Yeah. What about cloned animals? Well, yeah, cloned animals would be fabulous to study. The thing is that you can. I mean, the clones are genetically the same, but you'd have to make sure the conditions would be the same. Now, I think human cloning is also a fascinating topic, and I've thought a lot about that. Human reproductive cloning. I mm-hmm. I have no problem with it. Uh, really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell. I'll tell you why. Because think about it. Let's suppose we could do it. We can't, and it's not ethical. But suppose we could. Okay. Most people would not have children that way. Most people would still want children the old-fashioned way. So it would be like a last-ditch effort to have a biological child. Also, it the child would come into the world at a a different time. So if you had a certain talent, your child might have the predisposition, but maybe that talent is not valued in that particular generation. So it would not be, you know, exactly the same. On the other hand, it could be that you have a certain understanding as a parent and could give your child more understanding than, you know, if you weren't a clone. So you could clone yourself and raise them as your child? Yeah. You could. That's yeah, just I mean, like if we so have the deeply narcissistic to me. That just feels like insane. I smell a sitcom. <laughs> it, 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 it could There's be. Like it could be sitcoms so in this episode. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be narcissistic to some degree, but you know, in any new scientific no- technology, science moves forward, and we try to anticipate the problems it's going to raise. We can't anticipate everything. So it could be that, let's suppose you're a Holocaust survivor and all your family's wiped out, but you want to carry on the family line. Maybe human cloning is the only route available to you. So that's, you know, but right. again, you know, it's interesting that, that women who are 65, 70, they could have children if they wanted. You just take eggs and implant them in the uterus, mm-hmm. but you don't see that happening. 
because women who are 65 and 70 don't want to be moms. Yeah. Right? You're mm-hmm. like, I don't want to, so, I don't even want to carry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Right. There you go. So, so my point is that even if we could hum, do human reproductive cloning, not everybody's going to race out to do it. I think very few people would. That's Question. my guess. Here we go. Ec- for the expert. Let's say you decide to take out your eggs, pick what you want, get all the genetic testing done, put that egg back into your body. Can that egg split? Or is sure. it all- so, Why not? Right. So 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 even though it's already been fertilized outside of the womb, if it's oh. replanted into the womb, can it split and become an identical? Yeah, I think it could. And the reason I say that is because the window of opportunity for dividing is the 14th day. And so most embryos are planted, implanted between three and five days. So there's a whole other week. For I that. wonder if you could you know, split uh, outside here, 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 and put in. I can give you, yeah, I can. Well, but that would be a little bit unethical. But here, here is an example. You, you've heard of Octomom, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Octomom. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Octomom gave birth to what, 14 children? right? I think it was, but she only had, it was not 14 uh, embryos implanted. It was not, but I think it was 10, but two of those split. So she had identical, two sets of identical twins when the babies were born. Yeah. So that's answered your question. Right. Okay. Jesus. And then she did a porno. (laughs) She did. (laughs) You know that she went to my university. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Kelsey Fulton. I never knew her here, but she went here. For a while. What about, what about this idea? And then I'll let you, and then we'll let you go because it's, I've just so oh, yeah. I have so many. It's just like so fascinating. I know, but, but real quickly, like the tw- the identicals who don't know that they have one. I mean, I can't imagine if I'm walking down Santa Monica Boulevard and I see myself. I'd have like a Back to the Future moment where I just all of a sudden time and space changes and I might faint or throw up or something might happen. I mean, ha- that that has those, those stories must exist where you are the, looking in a mirror and, and don't even realize you have a twin until then. There, there's one story where a pair of reared apart twins met that way. Most of the time it's confusion by other people. But there were these Scottish ladies who grew up close together in Scotland, but they were t- they were different sides of the family. Anyway, they were 66, and one of them was working in a church, and the other one came to visit the church and knocked on the door, and nobody answered it. But then when the woman opened the door, they came out to this little garden, and they recognized each other right away. Now, they both knew they had a twin. They knew this all their lives, but nevertheless, they weren't prepared for this. So that's the only case we have where you recognize yourself. Now, in my book, Deliberately Divided, I have this amazing case of this guy, Justin Goldberg, who's a music producer who lives in Los Angeles. And he was adopted from Louise Wise in 1964. So he was right in that period where they were separating twins. And his daughter was at the farmer's market and she saw what she was positive was her dad's lookalike. And she videotaped it. And it's the most amazing photograph. If you look in the book, you'll see Justin and you'll see this lookalike. And they tried hard to find him. But eventually, he was in touch with his biological mother who said that you were not a twin. But, but because of the lookalike and because of his Louise Wise adoption service connection, that case was very, very significant. I dashed out to his house with ABC six, uh, 2020 to do a, a piece on that. Yeah, yeah wow. that was great. That was great. So, okay, so let's um, 
First of all, thank you so much for coming on and talking with Fascinating. us about all cool. of this. Uh, but let's end with what two things. One, <clears throat> I'd love to know what for you, I mean, I know it's probably hard to, to decipher what this would be, but the most surprising thing you've come across in your research that you really was the most unexpected. Um, and then I guess the last question would be, what are you looking forward to next with your research and your book? Okay. Yeah. So I think that the most important finding from the research is that living together does not make you alike. That if family members live together, it's the genes that make them alike and not the common environment. In terms of a pair of twins that I think are the most spectacular, it has to be Oscar and Jack. Oscar was raised Jewish by his father in Trinidad. I'm sorry, Jack was raised uh, uh, Jewish by his father in Trinidad. And Oscar was raised Catholic by his mother in Nazi Germany. And he was never a Nazi, but he did go to the Hitler Youth and the war was over by the time he was 12. When they met in their 40s, they knew that if their positions had been reversed, they would have embraced the philosophy of the other. And currently it was a philosophy that they both completely loathed and rejected. Oscar rejected Jack's and Jack's rejected Oscar's. But they know that if they'd been reversed, they would have been inculcated in the culture of their country at that particular point in time. I find that absolutely extraordinary. Now, um, what I'm working on at the moment, I'm working on two books right now. One of them has the working title of Border Crossings, and it's going to be an in-depth study of a family from Los Angeles that made national and international headlines over the last four years. It is a gay couple. They met in Israel. One is an Israeli man. He's in his 30s. The other is an American who went there to study in his 40s. They met in Israel. They married in Canada in 2010 because you couldn't marry in the U.S. or in Israel at that time. And while in Canada, they had fraternal twin boys through a surrogate, and each man was the father of one of the boys. And so it was a wonderful, loving, happy family until they tried to leave Toronto to move to the United States. And because one of the babies had a Canadian mom and an Israeli father, did not have the U.S. parent, they were going to deny him citizenship. So this is a case that almost made it to the Supreme Court. And so it combines twinship, family, marriage laws, mm -hmm. immigration laws. I think it's going to wow. be a very, very rich story. Good. Another great. Awesome. Idea. Yes. Not a nice smell idea. Of drama. Yeah, yeah. So I've met I've met some of the family already, talked to some of them. I've got a lot of interviews lined up. I'm very excited about that oh, that's one. Good. That's great. I can't and wait to read that my, one. Awesome. Yeah, my second book is called The Twin Children of the Holocaust. And this in 1985, as a Jewish twin myself, I went to Israel and to first to Poland, Auschwitz-Birkenau, you know, one of the concentration camps. And that was where Dr. Joseph Mengele had done his horrific experiments on the twins and dwarfs and other people with medical anomalies. And I took extraordinary photographs. I'm not a photographer, but it's amazing what a Nikon camera can do. And so I have probably 100, 150 beautiful photographs. And during COVID, when I was home, I thought that I should publish these. And so I have a contract now to publish about 50 or 60 of them. And it's going to be a photography book, something I've never done before, with just a little bit of annotation and background, because I want the photographs to speak for themselves. So that's another 
project I'm very excited about. And I've been in touch with some of those twins. You know, they're in their 80s and 90s now. They were the twin children at the time. So some of them are still alive and I've done some interviews with them as well. That's my other project. Oh, fun. Amazing. Cool. Well, Dr. Siegel, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure to meet both of you, really. And I look forward to the finished product. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sibling Revelry is executive produced by Kate Hudson and Oliver Hudson. Producer is Allison Bresnik. Editor is Josh Windish. Music by Mark Hudson, a.k.a. Uncle Mark. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 